This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I started to realize that not being an expert isn't a liability, it's a real gift. If we don't know something about ourselves at this point in our life, it's probably because it's uncomfortable to know. If you can die before you die, then you can really live. There's a wisdom at death's door. I thought I was insane, yeah. And I didn't know what to do because there was no internet. I don't know, man, I'm like, I feel like everything is hard. Hey y'all, my name is Kat. I'm a human first and a licensed therapist second. And right now, I'm inviting you into conversations that I hope encourage you to become more curious and less judgmental about yourself, others, and the world around you. Welcome to You Need Therapy. Okay, we have a new Monday episode of You Need Therapy podcast. I'm Kat. If you are new here, I am a therapist. And at the beginning of every episode... I like to remind everybody that although that is what I do, this podcast does not serve as a replacement or a substitute for actual mental health services, but I still hope it helps in some way wherever you are. So today we're back with the third part of our four-part series on John Gottman's Four Horsemen. If you are like, what is that? I highly recommend you going back a couple weeks to the first episode we did on criticism and then the next episode we did on contempt and listening to those first before you carry on with this episode. But I'm not the boss of you, so if you just want to listen to this one and then go back, that's also cool. This week, we're going to talk about defensiveness. And before we get into that, I do want to do a little recap. So like I said, we did criticism and contempt. Criticism is an attack on your partner's character, and we also looked at the antidote, so what do we do to move away from that kind of conflict management, and the antidote for criticism is gentle startup, and then the second horseman, like I said, is contempt, which is a way to belittle somebody, specifically your partner in these conversations, and the antidote for that is building a culture of appreciation and respect. 
And now it's time to get to the third horseman, defensiveness. So defensiveness is defined as self-protection in the form of righteousness or proclaiming victimhood in an attempt to avoid a perceived attack on oneself. Now, many people become defensive when they're being criticized. The problem with doing that is that being defensive never really ends up being very successful. It often escalates the problem and brings up new ones. And the perceived criticism isn't actually always real criticism. But before we all start getting defensive about being defensive, because some people might be thinking, well, I don't do that. Or I was justified when I was defensive. I think it is important to just acknowledge and admit that we've all been here before. It is a natural human reaction at times when we feel threatened. Not very helpful, but still it can feel very normal and it can feel very appropriate in the moment. So I just want to throw it out there. We all do this. I do this. I'm going to give you examples of how I do this in my own current relationship. We are not criticizing anybody right now for doing this at any point in their life. We just want to talk about it so we can look at better ways to actually get our needs met. So becoming defensive is a way to protect our ego. It pops up when our sense of self feels like it's being attacked, even if it's not. And in relational conflict, it often becomes present as a response to a moment in time where we feel like we're being unfairly accused of something. We might be accused of something that feels unfair. And we don't notice it all the time consciously, but when we end up becoming defensive, we often take the role of a victim when we're not a victim. And we do a lot of blaming, turning the tables, a lot of stuff that as you're listening, you're probably like, well, that doesn't sound very helpful. Also, I want to acknowledge that sometimes we are like you literally are unjustly accused of something. And I don't want to send the message that when we're accused of something, it's always not true. Sometimes it is not fair, the things that people are saying to us or think people are getting things wrong. What message I want to send is that by pushing blame on somebody else, that's not solving the problem. So yes, we can be unjustly accused of something, but flipping the blame might not be the road that we need to take to actually get whatever need is needing to be met in that moment. And just yelling, it's not my fault, doesn't really help that either. Like I said, defensiveness often just escalates the perceived attack rather than de-escalating it. And we know we're all about de-escalating some of the tension in relationships. We want to move from a escalated point and kind of work our our way down. And in the other episodes, we talked about how all of this is not about how do we get conflict out of your relationship? No, no, no. We need conflict. It actually can be very helpful However, what we need to work on is how we can manage it better. So how can we take this escalated event and de-escalate in a way that brings us closer together versus divides us further apart? Because a lot of times when we do end up being defensive, what we do is, is we send the message to the other person that we don't care. We might invalidate their problems or their concerns. They end up feeling attacked and very misunderstood. And That's just no bueno when we're trying to de-escalate. Now, in our current climate, there is a lot of defensiveness popping up all around us. And I'm going to give relational examples. But in this moment, really taking into account specifically what happened last week in Nashville with the school shootings, I thought it might be helpful to talk about how this is showing up 
politically and culturally as well in our social circles because it's not great. And I've talked before on here about the trouble with these two polar opposite parties who both think that they're all right and the other one is all wrong. And it was actual, actually Shauna Nequist who first brought up how this black and white way of thinking is tearing people and communities apart. And in the aftermath of what happened in Nashville last week, which I assume everybody knows, there was a school shooting that killed three nine-year-olds and then three people that worked at this school and traumatized hundreds of people, if not thousands living in this area. And it's, again, another event that builds on the hundreds of other events that are happening in our country. And since then, specifically, I've been seeing this more because I live in Nashville. And so I'm, I'm seeing more conversations with people in my community and stuff like that. But I've seen an uproar in defensiveness, criticism and contempt, all of them. And it is very overwhelming. And it also causes an extreme delay in any kind of helpful action. People on either side of the argument around specifically gun control and gun laws are consistently consistently showing up very defensive and sometimes to me it feels like we're playing ping pong into like the abyss we're like actually just like losing the ball and then we're starting over and we're playing ping pong and then we're losing the ball again but like nobody's winning nobody's losing it just we're stuck here and trust me I get the defensiveness I totally get it people are scared people are terrified on both sides however we're dividing ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper versus coming together and making positive impact because I imagine we all want to feel safer in our communities. Now, when someone states something about gun laws, the immediate reaction can often look like this. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. And we have a mental health crisis on our hands. And they are immediately washing guns of any responsibility as if they don't play a role in the situation at all. And then turns the focus on something completely different. It feels like a distraction. It feels like an avoidance. And it's very invalidating of the initial comment or the initial thing that somebody might have said or spoken about. You don't have to completely agree with somebody to acknowledge reality. You don't have to completely agree with somebody to acknowledge your part in something or somebody's part in something. And that's something I really want people to hear is, By not being defensive, what you're not doing is just blindly agreeing with whatever people say. But we don't have to create a senseless story that guns don't play a role in the death of humans during mass shootings to express that there are other things at play. And doing so isn't helping anybody. And it's not helping people understand your side and how you feel. It's not helping people change sides and and start to agree with you. It just is creating more rage, more frustration, more anger out of the deflection and in the in the invalidation like it feels very invalidated when you just push that aside and then move to this other thing and so people might be wondering well what do people say if they don't agree well you could say you know what I want this to stop too I want to protect our children too I want to save human life and I want to make human lives a priority as well Yes, our gun laws are making these tragedies too easy to develop and and to happen. I also think our mental health crisis adds to the problem as well. And so what are your thoughts on how we can both work on both of these issues instead of just focusing on one or the other? I mean, guys, imagine if that's how we responded to people that we said like, yes, I, I hear your concern with, with 
innocent lives being taken. And I hear the reality of how this is adding to the problem and playing a role in this issue. I see this as well. How can we both address these things? How can we both get our needs met here? How can we stop looking at one thing and and pointing the blame at one item and look at these things as a whole? What can we do to work together? I mean, just imagine if we heard each other out, if we took responsibility to facts and then we talked about a solution. It feels silly to say just imagine because it shouldn't be that easy. And we can start doing this with people. We can start doing this in our conversations with our friends, with our family, and then bring these into larger conversations with the community, with the government, with all of that. And so I know people might be thinking, oh, Catherine, you d- why do we have to talk about politics on here? Because this isn't a solely political issue. This is an issue of humanity. And it's an issue with how we respond to people when we're scared. And when we feel like people aren't hearing us, we get defensive and we try to make our issue louder. You know, there is room for more than one person to talk. So I want to encourage that. And it doesn't have to be, I'm going to ignore your issue because I want my issue to have attention. I want to acknowledge that there are more than one issues at play here. And I want us both to have a chance to be heard. Hmm. Imagine that. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. 
Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I said I'd give examples in, in relational conflict, and so we're going to do that as well. And I can actually give you an example of something that I did this week where I was defensive with my now fiancé, Patrick. About a week ago, I got engaged. I was very shocked, very surprised. And since the night that we got engaged, Patrick has been pushing me to get my ring insured. Literally, he put it on my finger and I was like, okay, we got to get this insured as he should. And so I emailed my insurance agent on Monday morning, and he was actually on vacation, said he would have a coworker take care of it. And I didn't hear back from him. And so Patrick said 45 more times, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? He kept asking. And I think one day, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday, he said, hey, just I want to remind you to email them again if you haven't heard back. And I think I replied, I don't know like verbatim what it was, but something like, I've been so busy and I already emailed him once. And I kind of snapped back at him. And this is not an extreme example, but I did want to give you like smaller examples too, because sometimes we only look at this as in extremes and we can do this in just daily life. And I realized in that moment, I felt a little attacked when he was just actually reminding me to do something. He wasn't attacking me. He wasn't criticizing me. He just was reminding me about something that he was anxious about. And I could have said, you know what? I totally forgot to email him again. Thank you for the reminder. I've been really busy and it wasn't at the top of my brain. And I also acknowledge that you have a lot of anxiety about this and I don't want to ignore that. It is an important thing to you. And so let me write it down. So then tomorrow I won't forget. No fight. There's no reason to scream. There's no, he wasn't being mean. He wasn't calling me lazy. He wasn't doing any of that. And so if I could have just said that, he could have said, wow, okay, I appreciate you taking that seriously. It is important to me. If you want, I can send you a reminder text tomorrow. Now, when we show up defensive, our, in quotes, excuses, honestly can tell our partner that we actually don't take their concern seriously. Like I wouldn't be taking, I'm so busy. It's as if Patrick's concern for this expensive item that he bought doesn't matter and it's stupid and I have better things to do. And I don't ever want to send my partner that message. And so it's really important to take responsibility for our part of the, of the street there. Another thing, I don't know why, why do know why I'm going to use the example of eating popsicles because that's something that I do often. I really like having popsicles in the fridge. And so imagine if I said something to Patrick, like, Hey, did you eat the last popsicle? And he said, why does it matter? You never told me those were just for you. What do we need to start labeling our food? I mean, honestly, I'm the one that does the grocery shopping. And you can see here, if this was my partner, if this is Patrick, he would be, but she'd would never do this or he has not done this. I can't say he would never, but they don't only respond defensively, but they reverse the blame. Like you never told me an attempt to avoid fault and also play this victim role of 
now I'm a victim of you being mad at something, but you can't be mad at something because I didn't know. And it's your fault for not telling me this. When I was just wondering if he ate the popsicle. Doesn't mean I was mad. Doesn't mean I was upset. Nothing. So instead, a non-defensive response where you could take some responsibility for your part, which doesn't even mean that it's bad, and also understand the perspective of the other person could be, yeah, I did eat the last popsicle. Were you craving one too? You know what? We can make sure to put an extra box on the list this week because we do both like to eat those. Boom. Sounds so simple, right? Again, it's it's funny because all of these things, they sound very simple, but when we have a fragile ego for whatever reason, when we are protecting our self-esteem, when we don't want to be in trouble, if any of that stuff feels a little wobbly, defensiveness is something that can pop up really easily. Again, self-protection. So what I think is really important to wonder when we're showing up this way is what else is going on? Reminds me of the bagel story, right? Like, I was so upset. It wasn't about the bagel. There's a lot of other things going on in that moment that led me to be upset and to cry. And I know when I'm overwhelmed with life, when I feel like I'm juggling a lot of tasks, I can get defensive rather than asking for help and admit that I've taken on too much. And what I want people to know is it's okay to mess up. It's okay to get things wrong. And it's okay to say, hey, I need some help. And in a healthy relationship, the reality of all of those things, messing up, getting things wrong and needing help, is not going to threaten a relationship. The threat, if I need help, that a relationship is going to be in danger, does not exist in a healthy relationship. And when you feel that way, when you think that there is a threat in a healthy relationship, when you need help or when you got something wrong, something else is happening in that moment, whether it's within you or within that relationship. And I also think when being defensive becomes part of our relational like cycle, like conflict cycle, it can have something to do with us, the person that's being defensive, really shoving things down that you might want to say. So what am I holding back? Because then it feels like this bubbled up response when we just like, can't take it anymore. And if we've been super resentful about something that a partner has said or done throughout, I don't know, days, weeks, months, years, but then he points out in a healthy way something that we've done, we can end up overreacting with a laundry list of things like, oh, yeah, well, you did this and this and this and this and this and this and this. When really he's just like, hey, did you switch the laundry or do I need to restart the laundry again? So I kind of am getting ahead of myself, but let's move in to the good part of this podcast and or these episodes in the series, the antidote. So like I said, the Gottmans have offered us an antidote to each one of these horsemen to help us get out of these unhealthy cycles and relational conflict areas. So for criticism, like I said, it's the gentle startup. For contempt, it's building a culture of appreciation and respect. And now for defensiveness, it is instead of victimizing yourself or reversing the blame, take responsibility, which I've kind of been saying and alluding to throughout this. Super simple. Take responsibility. When we are defensive, we are sending the message. It's not me. I'm not the problem, which in turn shifts the blame towards the other person that the conflict is with. And there's usually something that we can take responsibility for. Even if we didn't do something malicious or we didn't do this thing on purpose, and even if we don't think it's a big deal, there's usually something we can take responsibility for on our side of the street. This doesn't mean you're accepting blame for something you didn't do. You're accepting responsibility for what you did do. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? It doesn't have to be, it's 
my fault or your fault. This allows some wiggle room and some gray area into the conversation. And oh, what a world we would live in if we could invite some gray area into conversations. So here's an example. Let's say somebody is nervous about about being late. So let's say somebody says person one in the complex says, oh, we're going to be late. I wish we didn't have to get gas on the way. And then the other person comes in with this defensiveness. Well, it's not my fault we're going to be there late. You always wait to the last second to get ready. And I would have gotten gas before if I knew you would be running late in the first place. Again, I mean, we've started a whole fight on the way to maybe a really nice event or dinner or anything. And what would happen if somebody said, oh, we're going to be late. I wish we didn't have to get gas on the way. And then the person said back, you know what? I hate being late too. I could have made sure there was gas in the tank earlier. And next time I'm going to check with you on how you're doing on getting ready in case I need to go out and get gas before it's time to go. By taking responsibility for our part of the conflict, not checking the car to see if there needs to be gas put in it and not ignoring the partner's concern, right? You both don't want to be late. You're not saying, I don't care. You're saying, I don't like this either. We can both do better. We can work together on this. And you know, compromise, be a team. And because I love a list, I think lists make things digestible for people. I have a couple small tips to help in times where defensiveness feels like the right way to go or the way that I just like want to jump into naturally. So one, instead of looking at being right, prioritize understanding your partner. So try to understand them versus argue with them and get them to change their mind. Two, if you notice that you want to defend yourself, acknowledge that, acknowledge that I want to defend myself and maybe take a break. Three, you can clarify what you hear before you respond. Often we hear somebody attacking us when they're not. And I've said that a couple times throughout this episode. What would happen if you said, I hear you saying it's my fault we're late. Am I getting that right? Or I hear you saying that I'm lazy for not calling the bank today. Is that what you said? So then we can clarify what the person is really saying and avoid these perceived attacks that aren't really attacks. And your partner could say back, oh my gosh, no, I know you've had a lot to do today. So I was just checking in to see if you needed a reminder. Or no, I'm not calling you lazy. I just noticed that like I keep thinking about this. I'm really anxious. And if it's something that you don't have time for, I'm happy to do it. You are working together on a team and you're hearing each other and going back to the first one, focusing on understanding each other versus being right. The fourth thing you can do is focus on understanding your partner. That was the first one, right? And owning our behavior. You can end a sentence with, I didn't do it, or oh, I forgot again, or dang, I hate being late too. You don't have to give an excuse right out of the gate. When you start talking about it more, an excuse might not come up, but you can, in the understanding of each other, that might show up, but you're allowed to own your behavior and put a period there. That really, really feels so validating when our partners do that. And you can think of examples when that's happened with you and you've said, oh, I mean, just going off the late thing. Oh, I'm so anxious. I hate being late. Oh, it feels so good when I'm in that with my partner. My partner can say, yeah, I hate being late too. Hopefully we can get some minutes back on the drive instead of, yeah, I hate being late too. And you took too long to get ready. Doesn't feel very good. And then the last thing I want to offer as a little tip is allow yourself to mess up. Allow yourself to say, I'm sorry, and allow yourself to try again. So let's say this goes to like allow yourself to mess up. So you're allowed to like take responsibility for what you did and own your behavior. But also in these moments, if you start being defensive, allow yourself to mess up and say, I'm sorry, I need to try that again. I was being really defensive. 
I can tell you guys, I do that all the time because I do have this knee jerk reaction sometimes to be like, oh, it was my fault or snap back. And like I did with the situation with the insurance with my ring, often pretty soon after it happens, I say, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I was so snappy. You're right. I need to do that. And then, wow, he can have some understanding from me and we can both be in it together. Beautiful. So there you guys have it. The third horseman defensiveness. Remember, these are things that we do not really want to engage routinely in when we are having conflict. It doesn't help actually manage the conflict well and oftentimes just escalates it and moves it to the next horseman, which we really don't want to just walk through all these. We want to notice that we're in it and then kind of find our way to walk out a different door. So I hope this was helpful. I don't know if you guys have been anticipating this episode because I took a little break and did two other episodes in between the other two, but I promised that we would get back to it and we did. So next week, we're going to round this out with the final horseman, stonewalling, which is one that is very popular as well, even if you don't know what stonewalling is. So there's a little teaser, keep you on your toes for next week's episode. As always, you can email me with any questions, concerns, thoughts, feedback, Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. We do couch talks on Wednesday. That is where I answer your questions that you send to me and you can send questions to that email, Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. You can follow me at cat.defada and at unitherapypodcast and I hope you guys have the day you need to have. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.